We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Derek Van Riper here with Mario Puig. It is our last pod of the 2015 season on this, the very first day of 2016. Mario, how's it going? How's, how's the holiday season been treating you? Um, I got enough gift cards to know that I'm going to shop or not shop, but eat at Subway more than I have in years. Um, and Buffalo Wild Wings, apparently. 
Uh, but yeah, otherwise it's been good, I guess. Uh, wh- wh- what about yourself? I'm uh, in a similar boat. You know, I got a couple gift cards that I probably won't use that I'll just give away or trade with somebody. I might do that. I might like. I might like give my subway card to a homeless guy in exchange for a cigarette or something. Seems like a pretty good trade. If uh, if you want to make gift card trades, you can hit us up on Twitter at Derek Van Riper. I need increments of fifteen uh, for the record. You're on you're on fifteen. Those, those are tough to swap. It's, I, I don't know if it was like forty five dollars split over three different kinds of gift cards because the third is a Panera, and I'm not looking to get rid of that. Right, um, but yeah, it's it's fifteen each. I don't know. You should see if your your friend uh, at Panera next door wants to acquire so your other friends. Who are you talking about? Uh, Katie. Yeah, Katie. Katie's great. Yeah, she, she doesn't know what your real name is. No, though. she does. She she knows both my alias of Boutros Boutros Gali as well as my real name. So <laughs> I thought, yeah, Boutros Boutros Gali. I forgot about that. I thought it was like Bartleby or something. And she saw you at some bar, and she's like Boutros, and just it was it was a good story, but. I'm too tired to retell someone else's story yeah, right I don't now. Remember it, um, but it, was, it sounded fun. Uh, week 17, though, it's here. Actually, for the most part, teams have something to play for. Even the teams that have clinched a playoff berth all have an incentive to uh, play it out and, and possibly improve their seed or maybe clinch the division. Uh, so, really, the, the one team you look at on the surface of the playoff teams that can't really do anything at all, week 17, to improve its playoff positioning is Washington. So with, with Kirk Cousins, Jordan Reed, uh, maybe Matt Jones, Alfred Morris too, I'm not sure if they'll rest the running backs, they may take some of those key players and sit them down. Otherwise, it should be a relatively normal week. The NFL actually does a pretty good job of scheduling the games in a way where a lot of the teams that are dependent upon the status of one other team, they play at the same time. So teams and and season ticket holders in particular don't get completely burned by having a meaningless game to go to for week 17 yeah and even that dallas washington one is like those two teams hate each other so much like i don't i would i kind of expect it to be the same as always with that one uh as long as they don't pull cousins or something like that um but yeah it's it's pretty ideal at least uh, for those of us still playing fantasy in week 17 yeah at least if you're going to play daily maybe your season-long league isn't uh is completed it's not going to go on through this week you can play daily and find plenty of players that offer up a lot of value. They do have a millionaire maker going this week on DraftKings, so we'll talk about that in just a little while. I think the most interesting or most elaborate playoff scenario that I have seen in a long time goes to the Colts for this year. The Colts can clinch the AFC South Division if they win and Indy loses and all the following teams win along with them. Atlanta, Baltimore, Buffalo, Denver, Miami. Plus, they get an Oakland win or a tie, a Pittsburgh win or a tie, but not both an Oakland and a Pittsburgh tie. If all of those things I just mentioned all happen, the Colts actually can win the AFC South. Are you sure that's the case and not like you you saw a Monty Python thing that laid out that scenario for you? Because like that, that just seems so ridiculous. But uh, I don't think they're going to make it is where I'm leaning. Yeah, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look that good. But, you know, stranger things have happened, so... Maybe not, actually. It, it be, This could be the most strange thing ever to occur in the history of human interaction. Well, if you look at it, I mean, the Colts aren't that good. They they might just lose. They kind of aren't good. They might just lose to the Colts. Like, I, yeah. Or I should say, they might just lose to the Titans. They can't lose to the Correct. Colts. They are the yeah. Colts. It, it's been a rough night. As the four of you listening can attest, you know, you stay up 
late on New Year's Eve. You get up early if you have to work, which most people don't, so you can't relate to that part necessarily. And you try to talk coherently for an hour, doesn't work. It's it's going to be a complete failure. So expect nothing but a regression from this point after an already hot start. You've experienced the peak. Yeah, we've we've already peaked. This this podcast peaked probably before it existed and has only gotten worse since it was actually created. So my bad. That's not all on you. It's mostly it's mostly on me. I'm I'm in charge of this dumpster fire. Let's move on to some injury news here though and and kind of dive into some possible absences. LaShawn McCoy definitely going to sit against the Jets, which you know, it opens up an opportunity for Carlos Williams and Mike Gillisley. Uh, both players scored against the Cowboys on Sunday. The carries favored Williams 17-9. to I think of the two, he'd be the more intriguing of the running backs. But the Jets are one of those teams still playing to secure a playoff spot. So you know they're all in for this game. And beyond that, the Jets have been good against the run. Maybe yeah. not as good as the numbers will show you on the surface, but they are at least a good run defense. When you look at how the Jets have allowed – got to double-check this like five more times to make sure I'm not reading this wrong. When you look at how they've allowed two rushing touchdowns this year, do you use that as a reason to stay away? Or are you like, there's no way they end the season with two rushing touchdowns allowed? Like, someone's got to run for a touchdown today. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think of anomalies quite that way. I think with the anomaly, you can run the risk of saying, well, they're just due to give up some touchdowns. Then. I love it when I love to make plays based on do-ness. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's how, like, when I'm sitting at a at a roulette table which isn't very often i i feel like always works we're due for a 17 you know we're due we're for due a double zero we should increase the bet because we are so due i could feel it so i'm gonna take this whole stack and i'm gonna put it between 17 and 18 and hopefully it hits on one of those two and i guess that's the issue of picking carlos williams or gillisley especially when they're splitting things anyway um yeah i don't know i'm probably not gonna pick either one actually so you look at what the Jets have allowed to opposing backs, 13.2 fantasy points per game in non-PPR settings. Now, only one rushing TD allowed in the year, five receiving TDs allowed to opposing backs. So they have been very good. But part of their success, a big part of their success, can be attributed to seeing really a, a strangely poor group of running backs all season. Their schedule has lined up in a way where even when they faced a good running back like a Lamar Miller, the volume wasn't there because of game flow and or Joe Philbin. So things like that have also worked in their favor. A few 100-yard rushers against them. McFadden went for 16 carries and 100 yards against them. Hmm. McCoy earlier this year, 19 carries, 112 yards. Latavius Murray, 20 for 113. And then Ryan Matthews, 25 for 108. So that's it, just four guys, four like backs. all GPP picks there. That is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like guys that I would just never want to have anything to do with going against that defense. But they've faced off against the Colts. I mean, keeping Frank Gore quiet at this stage of his career isn't a big deal. They got Cleveland back in week one. They had Washington when Morris and Chris Thompson were the ball carriers. They had a game against the Patriots earlier this year where the Patriots ran it like five times total and still managed to beat the Jets uh, in that game. James White and LeGarrette Blunt had a combined one yard on the ground. So they've definitely faced their share of bad running games. They saw Houston in week 11, the Alfred Blue show. Um, Lamar Miller twice had fewer than eight carries against them in a game. The Giants four-headed running back monster in week 13. Tennessee in week 14. 
mean, this, this I mean, is this is what I'm saying. They're they're not right. they're not necessarily elite. They just have faced a lot of bad running games. At the at the least, for like you know the the millionaire maker, the, the I would just kind of categorically rule those two out just because. Um, Chris Ivory in that game is less than uh, Carlos Williams, who's 4,800. And the same price as Gillisley, who's 4,400. Also, we got Javorius Allen there. Not a good matchup, obviously, but Cameron Artis Payne. I feel like they're at least uh, similarly interesting plays, and they're going against, uh, they're in better situations anyway. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess, I guess I, I like Carlos Williams as a prospect. I think Gillisley's pretty good too. I mean, I don't think he's ex- as explosive as his numbers lately would imply. Um, but yeah, the, I mean the Buffalo offense has been surprisingly competent pretty much all year. So yeah, and, and well, I guess Gillsley's fresh too; hasn't had a lot of a workload throughout the season, so that could also be working in his favor. Uh, staying in the AFC East and sticking with running backs, Bilal Powell is actually questionable to play in that game against the Bills after missing practice for the third straight day on Friday. So I think that does drive up the appeal for Chris Ivory. If Powell is limited or unable to go, it could be more like the early season workload we were seeing with Ivory. Right, yeah. Uh, what is the deal with Ridley right now on that team? Like, he got on the field recently, right? He is there mostly to irritate everybody. Yeah, so he's around, uh, yeah, I guess. Um, doesn't seem like he'd be a candidate to pick up passing down snaps. So, yeah, I mean, that's where Powell would mostly create new opportunities, like those, those pass-catching scenarios. Ivory, for what it's worth, has an injury of his own, but he was back at practice on Thursday, so it looks like he's got a pretty good chance of, of being the lead back, whether he's with Powell and uh, Ridley or just Powell remains to be seen. Probably going to be a game-time decision for that game against Buffalo. Uh, taking a look at a few other key injuries for this week. Matt Forte, questionable to play in Sunday's game against the Lions. Bears haven't put out his practice status as of this recording, but he was limited Wednesday and Thursday. I think the problem with Matt Forte is that he's been chopping carries with Jeremy Langford. He's basically Langford's backup on running considerations. Like Langford's got, I can't remember what it was. It's something like, it's something like 41 carries to 29 over the last three games, something like that. Forte has more passing down work. Um, but yeah, it, Langford's shown the ability to be very effective as a pass catcher. So, uh, Forte has got to be on the way out of that, that team anyway. So it makes sense for them to just let Langford get some work here. Perhaps more important to the bears offense for week 17, believe it or not, is Zach Miller. He's got a toe injury. He is listed as questionable. I mean, think about Elshon Jeffrey missing this game with the hamstring injury. Martellus Bennett out with that rib injury on IR. Zach Miller should get eight plus targets with relative ease, but he's got a chance to get 12 plus targets i mean like that's within the range of possibilities i think when you think about how the bears and lions match up yeah i really like zach miller if he's active but he's just been so injury prone his whole career it's his his ability to capitalize on opportunity has always been brief unfortunately panthers are a little bit banged up here heading into week 17 ted ginn is officially doubtful with the knee injury probably not going to see him play against the bucks Uh, jonathan stewart has been ruled out so cameron artist Payne, as you mentioned before probably going to be the lead back in that one yeah they didn't use him much last week he only had like five carries for some six carries for like 45 yards or something so uh fozzy whitaker i think their preferred passing down option and it's just like cam runs so much we don't even know what artist pain is going to do so probably gpp only type yeah waka waka i guess when it comes to the uh, carolina running back situation Julian Edelman uh, did not travel with the Patriots for Sunday's game at Miami. It's nice of Belichick to get the team down to Miami a couple days early. Seems like an early departure, but, you know, it's... The man loves the beach. I think there's been an ice storm hitting the East Coast. I, I, was, oh, I saw some of that while I was gone. I yeah. thought that was just impossible. I didn't realize that. No, I, I, was, I was walking into a restaurant this week, and it was 
raining and snowing at the same time, so basically it was just it wasn't quite hail. It was like ice balls of snow. Oh, we were getting that in Madison for sure. Oh, man, that, 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 that stuff hurts when you yeah. when you're walking through a parking lot or walking outside. And you're just getting pelted in the face we by had those nice an ice 35 storm. mile per hour gusts too, just pellets on my window constantly. Yeah, and the weird thing was, I was in West Michigan, and because Lake Michigan isn't completely toxic in West Michigan. They they don't salt the roads at all. They just don't want to do that because they don't want to mess up, you know, the pH balance of the lake or something. And it makes driving really difficult because there are just piles and piles of snow and ice, just things everywhere that make it. it it's like driving your car. I don't know through a ball pit or something where you just there's no traction. There are no rules. You can't see any lines. Tons of germs. Germs everywhere. Germs are just flying at you and getting inside the car. I mean, it, it's. I, I was surprised that it was that much different than Wisconsin, but uh, yeah, quite the ice storm moving through. So good job, Patriots, getting down to Miami a bit earlier, but no Julian Edelman in that one, likely getting back after the team's first round playoff bye, which certainly uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, TJ Yeldon has been ruled out for Sunday's game against Houston, so we're going to see even more Denard Robinson in Week 17. Probably some Jonas Gray in there, too, which means our colleague Mike Doria is probably going to offer him up to us via trade in the Stake League at some point this afternoon. Yeah, see if we can get that swung before the weekend. Um, Yeah, Denard, was he pretty limited last week? I didn't get a chance to see him. I know he, he did well as a receiver, but was kind of flat as a runner for the second straight week. So week 16, I was on the road to West Michigan, and I barely got to see any games. It was easily the least viewed week for me of Uh, the entire season, which was awful, except for the fact that I missed the Packer game, and they sounded sounded like they were just a disaster on the radio. They couldn't do anything right. Yeah, that was a gross game. I actually saw that one and none of the rest. Saw it at my grandparents' house, and yeah. David Johnson's show, otherwise the Don Barclay show. Uh, Don Barclay just—he was getting—he was just murderously bad on the right side all year. Every time I watched the Packers, and he was playing on the left side in that game, just as bad, just remarkable. I don't understand what he's doing in the league. Like it's so gross. That anyway. one—that one falls on on Ted Thompson, I think. Yeah. Uh, Todd Gurley didn't practice on Thursday, and he's got a foot injury. I mean, it, there's a really good chance the Rams could just rest him. There's no incentive to push him out there. He's over 200 carries for the season. He is the franchise right now. They don't have a franchise quarterback. They don't have an elite receiver. Given that he's had a knee injury and is not so distant past the major knee injury at the torn ACL, that alone would lead you to be cautious with him. This extra injury seems like it could easily nudge him to a does-not-play type scenario. We'll see if the Rams actually announce that leading into kickoff. But I wouldn't use him on DraftKings if I had to play a Week 17 championship and he's confirmed as active, sure, I'd throw him out there, but I would really temper my expectations for him for this week. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't own Gurley anywhere, so it's easy for me to say this. I have no investment in him playing, but I really hope he doesn't play because that, that guy is amazing, and it would be stupid to you know risk some kind of foot injury, especially something that might need surgery when there's nothing to gain in having him out there. But, uh, yeah, do, do we know, is it Trey Mason or Benny Cunningham who would play with him out? Like, they've both been, you know, non-existent since Gurley took over and mason's had a miserable year um but yeah i I guess i guess we can't really count on anything particular there the 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 lazy assumption would be mason does the early down work and cunningham gets most of his work during passing situations i guess well if you think about how bad san francisco has been against the run i mean they're pretty much the opposite end of the spectrum of a team like the jets in terms of their their generosity to opposing runners this year san francisco's allowed 17 rushing tds 
nearly 1,700 yards. Only the Saints and the Dolphins have allowed more fantasy points per game to opposing backs than San Francisco. There could be some GPP Hmm. interest in one of Mason or Cunningham. I think when you think about how poor that passing attack is, Cunningham as a full-point PPR target on DraftKings probably makes a bit more sense. That was something we were doing back in week one before... (laughs) Uh, before Todd Gurley, Seattle or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah, like, I remember that he caught like six passes in that game. Yeah, he, at three thousand even, he was he was useful, and that's the price again this week. So Mason I, as well. Yeah, I so. think there's a case to be made for maybe throwing Benny Cunningham in there as kind of a punt player, running back, or a really cheap flex option here in Week 17, especially if Gurley is officially ruled out. So just something to keep in mind uh, with the Rams here as we look ahead to this final week of the season. Otherwise, injuries, I mean, it's it's that time of year where you're going to have a lot of guys banged up. Kelvin Johnson's banged up, but it sounds like he's got a good chance of playing. Uh, he looked a lot better in Week 16 against San Francisco than he did in those previous two games. So I, I think if you got a got a season-long league situation, you probably throw him out there. Uh, Demarius Thomas is questionable with a hamstring injury. The Broncos still have something to play for. I expect to see him out there. Adrian Peterson, questionable with an ankle injury. Vikings are playing for an NFC North title. He'll be out there, so there's nothing to worry about there. T.Y. Hilton's questionable with a calf injury. Again, the Colts have the Lloyd Christmas-type hopes of getting into the playoffs, so he'll probably gut it out. I mean, mostly it's, it's guys that are on the fence that are going to have to play. The other guy I'm a little concerned about, though, is Michael Floyd. He's questionable with a knee injury. It's still a game that matters for Arizona because if they win and Carolina loses, Arizona can go into the playoffs as the one seed in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, if I don't know what to expect from Floyd, he's always he's always been a little bit injury prone. He he tends to catch nagging injuries. So um, if he is out, I mean, it's pretty easy to get hyped for uh, John Brown, even against Seattle. I think because I mean, they're at home. Uh, Arizona's at home, and Seattle's defense just isn't quite what it used to be. And then more importantly, the Cardinals look just you know really really good. We'll try to sprinkle in a few more injuries as we go through the process of looking at some value plays and different lineup options for the Millionaire Maker. Fantasy football may be winding down, but DraftKings isn't messing around. DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you could win enormous cash prizes every week. Head over to DraftKings now, enter the promo code ROTOWIRE for a free entry. DraftKings.com, bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires, and a ROTOWIRE for a free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. As we do each and every week, Mario, let's start off taking a look at the quarterback position. You can pay up for Cam at 7,500, Brady at 7,400, Patriots still trying to clinch the number one seed in the AFC, so you'd probably get a close to a full game from Brady, maybe even a complete game, but the downside there is that he still doesn't have his full complement of pass-catching weapons available. Uh, Russell Wilson at 7,000 stands out to me a little bit. Arizona's defense coming off that game against the Packers in particular might have a bit too much helium. I think it's a good defense and not a great one. I like Wilson quite a bit I at like seven thousand. Yeah, that that was actually like the first person I was going to mention too. Uh, I mean, I always like Cam, always like Brady, but um, Wilson not vastly cheaper than them. But at seven thousand, I mean, five hundred, four hundred dollars can give you an upgrade somewhere. And more importantly, yeah, I don't know how. I, I'm I'm just not that good at predicting ownership numbers, but. Uh, even as spectacular, like truly spectacular as Wilson has been the last like two months or whatever it's been, um, I don't know how how much he would be owned, especially with that red seventh points allowed listed there in the column and the memory of just you know a few days ago Aaron Rodgers getting just overrun 
Um, it's in, and it's not as if the Seattle offensive line can't be beaten the same way the Packers one was. Uh, but I do think uh, Wilson is better at uh, being a one-man offense than Aaron Rodgers, if that makes sense. Like Aaron Rodgers, I don't think can can like, like almost no quarterback can do what Russell Wilson does, where it's like the boat is sinking and he still just keeps going somehow. Um, normally it's like you need some basic foundational pieces to give a quarterback anything close to a fair chance and it's like he just doesn't seem to need it right if you were grading Aaron Rodgers in the 20 to 80 scouting scale in terms of his running ability he'd be like a 50 or 55 which is good or even above average and most quarterbacks would be 40s or below mm-hmm. Wilson would be like a 65 or a 70 like is, he's, he's just that good as a runner he's gonna find ways to make things happen with his legs he can still move around in the pocket and it does seem like Seattle's offensive line their blocking has been better it in recent been, weeks I, guess, I mean yeah. that's probably in sync with Jimmy Graham not being out there they get a little more help on the end but that can't be the only thing that's clicking for them it just seems like they're a team that's playing really well right now just as Arizona is that should be maybe the best game of the week on this week 17 slate Roethlisberger at 6900 against the Browns is pretty interesting Pittsburgh has to win and get a Jets loss to Buffalo in order to make the playoffs Huh, yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I, I don't, I don't. There's that whole thing about, uh, I mean, cold weather in that conference and that conference playing against itself, just kind of being more defensive oriented historically. But we know that Cleveland's personnel is garbage. Um, that I'd be, I think I, we got to expect a pretty. Sp- uh, sound bounce back from Roethlisberger but I do worry about the volume potential because Cleveland I don't I don't know how they're going to compete in that one really especially with Menzil out or is he out with that concussion that's right the Johnny, latest outrage whatever <laughs> Johnny football is con- I think he is concussed and I, I think it's funny that there was some outrage about him uh, having a video where he's pretty clearly like in his own home yeah just just drinking it was either a like coke zero it was or a four, four loco. loco and it's awesome that's I, I was always a johnny manziel fan but when i heard that news report i was like this is crap someone's making this up someone made a special joke just for me uh and wrote this up or like johnny manziel did this just for me because it's it's just it's just awesome i I unironically love Four Loco and and for Johnny Manziel to make a bunch of people mad by drinking it and uh, apparently rapping to Future again on video. Um, it's it's just it made it made my holiday season truly. I like that there's an article from Cleveland.com, Cleveland Plain Dealer, in the headline reads: Mike Pettin admits there are problems with Johnny Manziel that need to be addressed in off season. Like you're not going to get to do that, dude. You're not going to be there anymore. You're going to be gone. And I think what Mike Pettin is talking about is uh rap music. So I, I don't I don't see that really being a a a thing to that Johnny would be receptive to. But he he is officially out by the way, just okay. in case you were curious. Who so is, is their quarterback? Austin Davis. Oh, Austin Davis, right. Yeah. It's the Austin Davis show. <laughs> awesome. Great. Just 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 what you want to see. I mean, this is why week 17 it's so great. You have teams that have nothing to play for, that are dealing with an injury or two, so they're throwing guys out there that would ordinarily never see the field. Austin Davis certainly on that list. We'll see if he's able to do anything against that Pittsburgh defense. Aaron Rodgers, 6,800, not going to go there. The offensive line is just in bad shape. and It's insane how bad that team is. Like Without Aaron Rodgers, that would be an 0-16 candidate, seriously. They're just garbage on offense. They're really bad, and it goes beyond the fact that Mike McCarthy wasn't calling plays to begin the year, which still I don't think is making a difference. I, no, I refuse not at all. to acknowledge no. that that has made a significant difference. 
He's not a that, good coach. If you had seen that Arizona game, you would think quite the opposite. Like it was, it was one of the most remarkably inept showings by that team I've ever seen, and especially just it was. It wasn't like you know wacky stuff, goofy things happening. It was just like every play, the line lays down, nothing, no resistance, and it's crazy. Um, but yeah, that offensive line is no good. They're beat up, to be fair. Uh, Bakhtiari was out, which was why they had uh, Barclay on the left side. Bulaga, I guess I, I, I assumed he had been out like all year, I think, but he was playing, and then he got hurt. Um, Barclay and then some like fourth tackle backup was playing. It was just it was gross. Really, they, they might as well just draft like three linemen to start off the draft. Like the first three rounds should just be they, all offensive linemen. They also need some speed though. I mean, they're a slow team. They have no speed at tight end with Nelson out. Like Nelson will be back and Nelson will be great, no question. But they need more because they can't let themselves have that risk again. If, if where like if Jordy is out, they're a bottom five offense. Like yeah. that's crazy. That can't happen again. But part of the reason I think that they've been so bad is because they haven't run it that well. They don't run it that well because the offensive line isn't that good, and they don't run it that well because Eddie Lacy really really likes cheeseburger. Like that's part of the problem. Is it? Look, if if Eddie Lacy lost five pounds or ten pounds, even think about how much more agility he could add just by like putting in that. Yeah, extra I think it's effort. closer to ten. Um, probably more like ten to fifteen. Probably like twenty five. Actually, he's like way overweight. But I mean, um, it's it's bad because it it's like he can't unless there's a hole for him to like. He's he's like a ship. Like he has to get a lot of momentum going before he's actually effective. <laughs> and if there's no hole at the line. He can break a tackle and get two or three yards, but that's it. That's all he's going to get. If there's never a hole, and there it seems like the last few weeks there just haven't been holes for him to run through. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's really bad. Like you say, I think they, I think it's like the offensive line uh, has the offensive line and the lack of the ability to stretch the field at receiver have negated Aaron Rodgers. And once that goes, they realize, wow, nobody's actually good here. Like it's just without yeah. Rodgers making it single handedly great. It's like. Lacey, I, I still believe, to be clear, that Eddie Lacey is very talented, and I do think if he was in good shape, if he weighed 220 as opposed to 250 or whatever he is right now, that he would be a very good running back. But it's like, if we're not, if the coaches aren't the kind of authoritative figures to get that kind of behavior out of him, like what? It's just, it's just a dead end. There's nothing to work with. Right. It's sad that he doesn't care because the talent is very clearly uh, something yeah, that he has. That's something and, I, I firmly believe he's a very talented player. But he's but. just choosing not to take everything seriously enough to to really deliver on that, which is going to cost him in the long run. I mean, he's going to have a shorter shelf life in the league, and he's going to get a smaller contract yeah. once he gets through his rookie deal. Yeah, he could have gotten a pretty nice second contract if he had played the way he did the you know the few years before this. But it's like, why would you like? He's going to have to be like the Darren McFadden of the next free agency or something. Like the Cowboys will sign you when they fail to draft a running back again. Now, nah, Lacey right. doesn't have any like major character flaws, so he doesn't. Oh no, fit no, he seems like a totally decent person. And t- and like to be clear, it's like I don't even blame him for not caring about football. It's like I wouldn't want to do that stuff. I wouldn't want to get you know destroyed uh, physically, spiritually for like whatever. If if they're gonna pay me to to eat burgers, I'll definitely eat the burgers instead. Two hundred and fifty times a year, you're gonna get hit in the knees, in the head, all over. It's it's just it's a grind, especially with that running style. Yeah. Moving on to some other uh, quarterback options here. Bortles, 6,700 going into Houston. Breeze is 6,700, but he's on the road, so I'm not really going that route. Uh, You probably don't want to use Carson Palmer against that Seattle defense, but he's only 6,500 this week. Stafford against the Bears at 6,200 is somewhat intriguing. It seems like the price hasn't really caught up to the Jim Bob Cooter version of Matthew Stafford just yet. Yeah, I I don't know how much stock to put into that, but... uh... The Jim Bob effect is difficult to dispute to some extent. It's just 
I, I just don't trust Stafford, and I don't think there's much talent on that offense. Uh, Megatron and Tate are obviously very good, but um, Megatron's hobbled to some indefinite extent always, and like you just don't know how many targets they're even going to give him. Um, it is. It should be a fine matchup. I mean, Chicago's defense has improved over the years, but or over the year, um, but their secondary personnel still isn't very good. Um, yeah, I mean, not, not, just to fast forward a little bit, I'm actually pretty excited about a few guys under six thousand. Uh, both, I know Chip Kelly was fired, um, but I assume the Eagles will, for the most part, run the same scheme, use the same approach that they have all year. In which case. Uh, Giants versus Eagles has to be the most up-tempo game on this slate. Like it has to be. Uh, those teams run a lot of plays. Like they 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 should run a lot in this game. Um, too bad. Too bad. Pass defenses involved also. So uh, like Eli at fifty six hundred. I like Bradford at fifty three hundred. And uh, even even below them though, uh, Brian Hoyer is starting again, and he's at home against Jacksonville fifty one hundred. So um, yeah, I kind of like that one, especially if. If Yeldon being out might mean perhaps that the the Jaguars are more or less forced to throw more than they might otherwise, and hopefully results in more plays from scrimmage as well. Uh, but yeah, those three guys I think are my favorite building block types, whereas uh, Russell Wilson would be like my favorite GPP type. Would you consider a punt play of Teddy Bridgewater going up against that Packer defense? No, I don't. I actually don't think the Packers defense is that bad. I think it's like the kind of defense that can be good if you have an offense that scores points because it's built more to like create turnovers and create big plays than it is to like not give up yardage and not give it up points. Like, and that model worked in the past because if you got the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, he would get points for you and no one would notice the whatever flaws there were in the defense. But uh, when they're just left on the field like that, they're obviously not very good. It's it's just I just I just like the other guys in that range who I think are you know more reliable players than Bridgewater and and particularly with Eli uh, Bradford and Hoyer, I think their matchups are a lot safer. So we'll shift the focus over to running backs. You've got Devonta Freeman home against the Saints. Great matchup, of course. You're gonna pay for it at 7600. Gurley, we mentioned earlier, great matchup for him too. But you have a lot of concerns there at 7400. AP is at 7200. D'Angelo Williams at seventy one hundred is going to draw a lot of interest. Cleveland hasn't been a good, good hasn't been good against the run. I also don't think that the Browns can do a whole lot offensively with Austin Davis against the Pittsburgh defense. So you're going to see pretty good volume for Williams this week. And again, Pittsburgh has incentive to win that game, plenty of incentive. So I, I think I liked D'Angelo Williams the most of those top four backs. AP's AP. You don't have to worry about his workload. The Packers are pretty generous on a per carry basis. You can get yardage against them. Uh, conditions are likely to be cold it's 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 one of those days where it's never fun to try to tackle ap but it's going to be one of those awful days to try to tackle ap on sunday night yeah definitely there's uh i mean if you can afford him it, it seems like the 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 is it a knee that freeman's got uh he's been limited in practice but i mean limited wednesday practice almost always means you're ready to start sunday um and then that matchup with tevin coleman's out with that uh very a strange concussion shower concussion yeah that, that seems weird doesn't it uh believe it or not it, it's a thing that happens like my mom managed to do it so uh it's apparently you can do it apparently it's not uh the brandon marshall i slipped on a mcdonald's bag and punched a tv accidentally <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, fell, I fell through my entertainment center after i tripped yeah. on a mcdonald's bag it's like hey brandon too many details like that's that's proof that you've lied. Like yeah. you've, you've made up one too many details. Don't like, bring the UFOs into this. No one's gonna believe that. Um, but yeah, it's 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 that's that's an awesome story. I kind of forgot about that until just now. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, him being out makes Freeman like you know he's got to get he's got to be the over under on touches from scrimmage has to be something like 
24 and a half and like five or six of those projected to be catches against the saints um i I think it makes a lot of sense to pay up for both freeman and and to skip ahead a little julio uh chalky as they both might be i feel like it's the kind of thing where like they're they're their opportunity to go against a defense that allows very nearly an average of three passing touchdowns per game like one of the worst defenses of all time and uh, it's in their dome not new orleans's so i think i think i like those guys a lot um and after that it's like if if, if forte is is, do we expect forte to sit in that game i think he's gonna play and just not play a lot but they could decide well i guess either way i do like langford at 3900 quite a bit um especially just because he's he's been so reliable as a pass catcher and alshon's out and uh zach miller's you know gimpy as always um but yeah uh d'angelo williams as you said seems like a really great play i don't know whether i would expect him to be more or less chalky than Devonte freeman because uh williams has been awesome to be clear and he's catching a lot of passes and that's such that's like a perfect matchup too uh especially if 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 we think like cleveland's not going to score points and they want to run out the clock because you you know the the numbers you might otherwise project to go to the receivers go to him instead um so yeah i I love those two i think it's i think it's worth trying to pay up for those kinds of guys on this slate yeah i I would generally with like david johnson going against seattle i mean that's that's a that's a pick worth having uh it's just the kind of thing where you you might think of it as more gpp like than a building block pick well and you get the johnson yeah the matchup against seattle for him and lamar miller having a matchup against new england where the patriots could simply game flow him out of contention i to love do lamar but i have to swear off i've sworn off of him for like a couple weeks now because of that team i just i just can't even consider it he could be going against some high school team and i'd be like i don't know if he's gonna get eight carries i would love to see him sign with the packers yes i'd that like to see him there would be a really really him nice and Aaron Rodgers would be very explosive yeah, that's that'd be a nice tandem to get there, especially if they can find. Well, maybe it's Ty Montgomery who comes back next year to add some of that deep threat like along him. with the return of Jordan. He's more of an intermediate guy who runs after the catch, though. They do, they do need to get someone who can stretch the field opposite Jordy. Let them both stretch the field; it'll work. It'll be good. It'll open up a lot of yeah. space underneath for Cobb and any tight end that they're able to go get via draft, free agency, whatever it might be. Other uh, kind of mid-tier priced backs to think about. I mean, Denard at 5400 maybe gets some interest, but I think you can do a little better even spending less money than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chiefs have something to play for, so Latavius Murray at 5200 is okay. I mean, it's not, not great. But I think if you go down a little further, you see guys like Carlos Williams at 4800 like Ivory at 4400 who we talked about earlier, and even Darren McFadden at 4900 the Cowboys don't have any real reason to protect him for next year. Their offense, it's boring. They're not going to run a lot of plays. But Washington, on a per carry basis, is actually one of the worst run defenses in the league. And they're a team that has nothing to play for this week. So they could easily pack it in for Week 17. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good point. Um, I, I, I don't know what to expect from the rivalry element in that with one team not having anything to play for. Like maybe maybe rivalries don't apply if one team just doesn't care. Um, but yeah, I actually a little bit lower than that. I think my favorite of this range um, might be Javorius Allen against Cincinnati. Uh, it's not a good matchup or anything, but Cincinnati's run defense is only middling, and it's the catches with Allen that you, you like him for because he catches a lot of passes. He's a really good receiver um if yeah so like last last week against a tough pittsburgh run defense got 77 yards and a touchdown also caught five passes uh, he caught 12 against the dolphins about, about a month ago uh, so i like him quite a bit actually 
Um, especially if, I mean, did you happen to see Mallet play last week at all? Like, I, I saw some highlights of it. Did he, did, do people like what they saw with him? Or? That's a great question. Let us know. I mean, we don't, we don't like Matt Schaub. We know that. And we mostly look at Mallet as some kind of like goofball, but it's like, if he can, if he can, you know, get some returns out of his, you know, arm and get that offense looking a little better, that opens things up for Javorius a bit, I guess. Yeah. Um, what do you, oh, sorry. Not, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I just saw Ronnie Hillman and CJ Anderson thoughts. That's exactly what I was looking at in that kind of sub $4,500 range because San Diego's not good against the run. Denver does need to play this game out. Both of those backs should be heavily involved. You don't expect Osweiler to start slinging it 40 times a game as part of the game plan. They should be able to get a lead. Their defense should be able to slow down that San Diego offense. I mean, everything lines up for both Hillman and Anderson to be productive so I, I like them quite a bit they may be a little chalky at those prices but because they split I think you'll get a lower ownership on them than some of those top tier backs we were talking about before two other guys in this range that I think I like quite a bit uh, Rashad Jennings is still 3700 against uh, I mean with with Odell back there's not as much projectable uh, you know market shares there uh, but he is he is active as a pass catcher and it's a it's again it has to be the most up-tempo matchup on this in this week uh, so that's interesting to me. And then also, uh, if Matt Jones is doubtful, Alfred Morris at 3,600 against the Cowboys. Yeah, that's, um, that's really nice if Jones ends up having to sit this one out. So I think that's worth thinking about, too. Um, the name I like, actually, believe it or not, for a GPP is DeMarco Murray. I have to wonder if the Eagles, with Chip gone, just change up the running back situation a little bit just to try to show up Chip. Like, if, if part of their goal, the front office... Oh, we hate Chip. Uh, going away party yeah like where where the front (laughs) office says hey look you're gonna run demarco murray 20 times and we're gonna try to get him 100 yards every single play they'll give it to demarco murray just to make clear how how mad they are at ship it's probably wishful thinking on my part because i have to rely on murray and ryan matthews potentially in the stake league for week 17 to avoid falling out of the middle which is it's nuts. Like I, I can't believe I'm I'm fighting for my stake my life. This is yeah. your life, Derek. And it, it, it's it's resting in the hands of the Eagles running backs right now. So I'm hoping that the coaching staff in the front office, the guys who are there post chip, hate chip so much that they will do everything differently than he was doing it over the, the last eight weeks, especially. Yeah, I, I, do, I don't know what kind of uh, odds to put on those various scenarios, but uh, I, I do agree. I mean, who, if, if some Philadelphia ball carrier gets a bunch of carries, I like I like both offenses in that game. I don't think either defense is very good, and there's just wacky stuff happens when you put two unusually up-tempo NFL teams together. Like, a lot of NFL t- games are just plotting, and I'm biased because of you know me looking at a lot more college stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's like NFL games I hate. I hate those, those like uh, – what are they? What like forty two and a half over unders, and it's like the fourth highest projected game of the week, or something like that. It's like run yeah. more plays, go more no huddle. This no huddle's good. Yeah, just keep moving as fast as you possibly can, and don't deprive us of production simply because you want to play this slow tempo. Yeah, man, my projections are based on somebody not sitting down on the ball for like nine and a half minutes at some random point in the game. Like no, no more nine minute drives, four minute drives. There should just be a drive clock. If it drives not over, yeah, you, you get just four lose minutes, it. not down. You just have four minutes. You get a four minute max to score. That'd be awesome. Yeah, be a great game. Uh, you mentioned the Denver running backs. I think of the two, I do like C.J. Anderson a bit more. His form in the second half has been. He's a better player. He's just been having a lot of stupid injury things disrupting his traction. Really. Yeah, I, I think 
he's got a back injury right now. He's probable, looks like, going into the weekend. So 3700 on him is, is just a great price. I think that's where I would go if I was going to invest in one of those two backs here for this week. Anybody else in that sub- $3,800 range. I mean, no, we talked earlier I, about I think the, I've got my field pretty much limited to like Devante, D'Angelo Williams, Javorius, uh, Alfred Morris, if Matt Jones continues. Like, he's doubtful. So, Matt Jones is doubtful. So, uh, as long as there's not some report of like, you know, Washington's going to give this practice squad up jumped guy some, you know, 15 carries. Uh, that's the worry there because, like, otherwise it's like they, they they can't care so little that they wouldn't even play Alfred Morris, right? Especially Chris, with, Chris Thompson should play too. Oh yeah, he's he's pretty good actually at what he does. So anyway, yeah, that's and uh, Rashad Jennings and the Denver guys, I guess, is what I'm kind of looking at for the most part. All right, I'll mention it one last time too. Benny Cunningham, Trey Mason, both three thousand. If you want to go really cheap, should uh, Todd Gurley end up getting ruled out of that game moving on to the receivers i think there is a strong incentive to pay for julio uh, chris listen i talked about this on the sirius xm show this morning and basically our agreement was that we would want to use freeman and jones and simply avoid the falcons qb situation and just use a different qb yeah. receiver pairing and take advantage of what should be one of the higher scoring offenses of the week thanks to that new orleans defense the falcons are projected to score 28 29 points based on spread and over under so if you account for that where are those points really going to come from? Well, probably Freeman for two and Jones for two, and you know who knows how they make it happen. Otherwise, the, the production from the quarterback spot may not be that good. So I'd rather just go with Freeman and Jones and, and leave Matt Ryan out of this. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's very uh, exploitable the way that the Atlanta offense is so uh, stubbornly channeled through those two players. Like, go after those two, you get the whole product without paying for the peripheral parts, which at this point Matt Ryan is. Um, yeah, I mean, Jacob Tammy maybe if you're going with some kind of deep GPP tight end play. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, looking at these receivers here, it's like, is Antonio Brown somehow a GP like a more gpp friendly play than odell beckham and julio jones this week that's 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 like he's he's he seems like he can't possibly have more than like uh i don't know like 38 percent ownership because odell's cheaper at nine thousand going against the eagles and you know narrative stuff like he's gonna be mad and he probably will be he is gonna be he's mad. gonna be mad and he's amazing i'm picking him um it's like i'm actually like gonna have to like get really creative and see if i can get all three of those guys somehow because like i really want all three of them like i guess antonio brown is a little bit less uh productive on the road and we don't expect cleveland to play so yeah it's like antonio brown gpp pick i never thought i'd really say those things um but yeah i, I love julio at 8500 i'm not fading that i don't care how chalky it is uh same with odell i'm i'm, I'm playing him um but yeah especially when we got a guy like jordan matthews still deflated at 4700 like he's mr garbage time and that game is pure garbage time so uh, i'd like him to finish strong even if he's had a bunch of stupid fluky things uh inflating his numbers lately um but yeah uh, deandre hopkins is amazing still so do we do we want to like is that a uh what do you call it a, a a pivot opportunity away from the rest of the uh the horde there he probably won't be that highly owned, even as as obviously great and as obviously great of a matchup as it is for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to like with DeAndre Hopkins because a lot of the attention is going to be focused on those two receivers you mentioned in Beckham and Jones. I don't think there's a way. I mean, there is a way. It can be done. You have to go cheaper at quarterback if you want to go three of the elite receivers. Then you got to go with kind of lower end backs. But go Zach Ertz at tight end. He's still thirty eight. 
3,600, and he's getting like 15 targets a game the last three weeks. Yeah, that could still still be intact here for this week. I mean, the other cheaper receivers that I like, and by cheaper I just mean other good receivers that I'd still pay up for, Brandon Marshall at 7,900 and full point PPR on DraftKings. I think that's uh, worth considering. He's been spectacular this year, like truly great. Yeah, he's been like a late second-round pick type player, I think, based on production. 101 catches, 1376 yardage, 13 touchdowns going into his final game of the year. That's crazy. Yeah, he's been more like a mid-first-round pick than, I guess, in I PPR mean, leagues. Yeah, in PPR, he should have been like a top-six pick or something. Based on Yeah, based on the output, for sure. If you go down a little further... I mean, Allen Robinson at 7,800. Allen Robinson is the type of player that I worry about a lot in Week 17. He's got a minor injury, which ordinarily wouldn't bother me at all, but they have no reason to push him through that. If his ankle, knee, anything starts bothering him at all, he's got a shoulder injury right now, but if anything else starts to bother him or that injury flares up, he's going to sit because he's an important part of their future. I don't think the NFL franchises actually care as to whether or not they put the best possible product on the field in Week 17 when they're playing for next year. So if any sort of ailment at all befalls a player like that, you have to be worried about them leaving the game early and just not coming back or simply not seeing as many, as many targets as they would in a typical game plan. Uh, Doug Baldwin at 6700 still pretty affordable. I mean, I, I don't even know what to make of how great he has been in recent it's weeks. Ridiculous. But he is really good, I think we have to conclude. But it's on the other hand, it's like, how can this possibly be sustainable? I just don't get it. Seemed to come out of nowhere in terms of like going the, from yeah. mid-range, okay PPR guy to like elite earlier this player. Year, earlier this year, there was like times where it was like, the Seahawks apparently like Jermaine Curse more or something. It's like Jermaine Curse is getting the ball in these, these important games, and Doug Baldwin's just the slot guy, they say. And like, why, why don't we have more people asking questions like, what if Doug Baldwin wasn't just the slot guy? What if, and, and you know, similarly, like, what if Tyler Lockett wasn't just on kick returns? Maybe he's good at other stuff, too. And it's like, these teams are just, like, even an innovative, you know, obviously highly successful for organization like Pete Carroll's coaching regime, they they do stupid things like that. It's like, why would you not put, you know, why would you not get these targets to Baldwin and Lockett when they're as efficient as they are? It's like, oh, well, we just don't want to. And then it's like they're forced to, and wow, it's just, it works. It's like, it, it works easier than they could have guessed. Yeah, Daryl Bevel hasn't come up as Bad much coach. on this podcast. Bad coach. <laughs> yeah, nothing's really changed as far as how we, we look at him, I think, as a, as a play caller and uh, uh, someone that organizes the offense for the Seahawks right now. I look at guys like Jarvis Landry. The volume should be there for him, assuming he's able to to play this week. He's got an injury that's probably minor. He was limited in practice on Thursday. It's a knee injury for Landry. Both Landry and Decker and even Jeremy Mack and all three of them, I think, fit this sort of same bill where the the volume is usually there most weeks. The ceiling's not crazy high, but you kind of know what you're getting around that $6,500 price point. Yeah, and... uh... Yeah, it's. I, I guess this mostly this range doesn't interest me so much, largely because of how I, I feel obviously compelled to play Julio and Odell Beckham, and and therefore like I don't have the kind of money to spend six thousand on the the third guy. But uh, yeah, Jarvis Landry's targets are automatic. He's probably not going to score that often. Probably not going to give you that much yardage. Eric Decker is kind of similar. Like he's 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 very efficient, uh, very reliable, but not much ceiling there. Uh, yeah, Macklin too. Those are all like the same people right now. Um, is is Larry Fitzgerald is listed as a, he's limited practice all week, so he's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, I actually like Sammy Watkins like 
always. I always like. I'm a, I'm a huge fanboy of Sammy Watkins. So uh, with Lashawn McCoy still out, I really like Watkins against really any team at all because like they they gotta feed him and he's really really good. And uh, the Jets' corners, other than Revis, can't keep up with him. Well, Revis can't keep up with him either. He has to hold him, but he's good at holding enough that that's uh, that's an issue, obviously. But yeah, GPP, I really like Watkins at least, even if I'm not gonna have room for him in my like cash uh, setups there. Pushing down a bit further into the rankings, I mean, I'm going to be in the 4,000 range probably before I start finding other receivers that I, I like because they're they're priced down so much. But it's a shorter list than usual, mostly because of all these injuries and because of the uncertainty about roles. What do you think about Ruben Randall at 3,600? I know it was a fluky long TD that he had in the Sunday night game against Minnesota. But if, if the Eagles and Giants are going to be that high-paced, Beckham's back to draw all the attention, and the Eagles are really dinged up in the secondary, does Beckham, that's like a Beckham-Randall-Eli trio actually pay off? I, I wouldn't discourage it. I, I don't know whether my my nature is to have a player like Ruben Randall in my lineup, but I can't give anybody like a, a, a stern scolding for it. And it's And really, the matchup is great. Again, the tempo really adds up in the NFL where every where tempo is kind of rare, um, especially when you're talking about PPR scoring, you know, stats like that that are just kind of the result of more plays being run. Um, so I like Randall and I, I like Eli and they're obviously affordable. Uh, you could almost you could t- you could sell me on a stack of those guys and Rashad Jennings um, because really, like, why why would any game be projected to have more points than this one? It's like two bad defenses and two teams that run a lot of plays like that's everything there yeah it it definitely seems favorable from a total offensive output standpoint the other receiver I want to throw at you Keyshawn Martin three thousand dollars coming off a game last week with 11 targets seven catches 68 yards in that overtime loss to the Jets it just seems like his role by default has grown a little bit what do you think about Martin as a three thousand dollar option that's that's very intriguing. I, I I'm glad you got got us to the specifically the three thousand dollar angle here because uh, we got Keyshawn Martin on one end I feel like and then Jericho Cotri on the other uh, with Ted Ginn being doubtful. Um, Cotri's got to be like the by default number one type. Like Funchess is the most talented, but he's been sporadically utilized, sporadically effective. Um, there has to be a receiver room for a receiver in that offense with Jonathan Stewart also out. Uh, and the the Buccaneers being worse against the pass than they are the run, uh, so yeah, I like those two quite a bit. Uh, Martin Martin's been getting a lot of short passes apparently in New England, and that's fine. He's actually a really good runner after the catch. Um, and Miami is an exploitable matchup certainly. So yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you pointed him out because I honestly kind of just neglected to note him, um, and that 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 is definitely something that's that's worth putting in like i'm gonna have one of those two i'm, I'm gonna because three thousand and that kind of prominence and two offenses like that is not an often opportunity yeah I'm, I'm looking at it and seeing what i can do with both in the same lineup and that might open up a lot as far as paying up for two running backs you can go with an elite receiver you could even pay up for cam and just do a cam cotry combo where you go ahead and, and get the extra production cam that way at, at the quarterback combo. spot yeah i love the uh the um alliteration yeah yeah, that's Cam, alliteration. Yeah, Cam Cotri combo for sure. Um, I, yeah, played, so, I played categories like a week ago with my family, so it, the the doubles are are on my mind. Oh, sorry, I've never played that. So. Oh, I'm surprised you even played that. I I, I haven't. I, I I don't I don't I don't know what it is. I've heard of it. I've, I've the only board games I've really played are like Candyland and uh, Trouble. I think. <laughs> When's the last time you played a board game? 
uh, at my grandparents' house when I was like, oh wait, no, I, I played like a couple of those more like nerdy adult uh, board game ones, like uh, Settlers of Catan, and one of my roommates had uh, Arkham Horror, mm. which is a HP Lovecraft. Uh, you have to you have to set aside like twelve hours of your time to play it. So uh, those those I've played, but that was that was a very different kind of genre, I guess. One of those games that starts at eight o'clock on Saturday and ends at like two thirty in the afternoon. We would on actually Sunday. like leave the board. We're like we can't be this lame. We can't stay here in these chairs for twelve straight hours. Let's go outside for a minute, and like we came back later to finish it. Let's take pictures of the board and go have a smoke and come back and see where things are at. <laughs> Basically, is that, is that basically yeah. what you guys did? It's like, well, we're, we're low on old English, and uh, we haven't had any other bad ideas, so let's go do that. <laughs> Very good. Let's move on to the tight end spot. Gronk, 7,400, may be a good option, especially if you save some money at receiver with one of Kotri or Keyshawn Martin. Craig Olson at 6,800 is never a bad investment. Jordan Reed at 6,500 is one of the few players I'm really worried about because of where his team is. From a, a playoff scenario standpoint, so I'm not sure I'd use him, even though I really like the talent there and the matchup is fine against Dallas. I know they, they grade out fine against tight ends, but Jordan Reed kind of just makes it happen. Um, what do you think about guys like Gary Barnage this week at 4,700, even though it's Austin Davis, or Travis Kelsey at 4,700 going up against Oakland? I think they're totally fine plays. It's just, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm I gotta go in on Zach Ertz it hasn't failed me the last few weeks I don't see anything in their game plan the game flow between those two teams the personnel of those two teams that would that would give me a reason to not play him at 3600 he's like their number two receiver and even kind of like their number one like he's he caught what was it like 12 passes last week caught 13 passes and uh, he's been getting targeted a lot for about two months now it's just it, it wasn't until the last three weeks that he finally started reeling them in for any significant return um so i'm gonna go with him uh, i really want to find a way to make room for gronk though because it's like i i firmly believe in his his uh, career yard or his career per target numbers point to this game as a big one because uh i mean especially with those other receivers gimpy uh, Keyshawn Martin's not going to be a threat to Gronk's targets. He's just going to be like underneath drag route type stuff. Um, and the, th- the other thing to, that's easy to miss in this is Miami is actually like a top five tempo team as well. So uh, in New England is is top is above average thirteen. Um, so that's a game that and, and Gronk had a big game against them earlier this year too. So uh, I, I really like Gronk. I don't know how much uh, how many shares of him I'm going to be able to fit in, but I, I got to try. Yeah, I, I think it's a good idea to try to get him in as many lineups as you can. Maybe you go flex tight end, go well, I Gronk guess we and like Greg Olson almost as much too. I mean, that Lovey Smith cover two is not built for tight ends and seam coverage in general. And if Ted Ginn is out, uh, I don't know. I guess it's like Ted Ginn is already the bottom of the barrel, so maybe it's like whoever just replaces him gets the targets. But it could it could get slanted. It could get funneled a bit over toward Olson also. Some weird Philly Brown stuff could happen too. I mean, that's it's always <laughs> right, Corey Brown. I forgot about him. Always always possible. Oh man. Uh, on uh, the defense and special teams front, I mean, you go Broncos at four thousand home against San Diego. I think that's decent. Chiefs home against Oakland also pretty good at four thousand. Carolina. Eh, not terrible. Home against Tampa, maybe you get Jameis to turn it over a few times. He's been pretty good at avoiding that throughout his rookie campaign, though. I think a lot of the attention this week is going to be paid to the Steelers-Browns matchup. Steelers only 3,500. It's on the road, but 
it's the Austin Davis show for Cleveland, which makes you think that turnovers could be a plenty. Yeah, I don't even know how bad I think Austin Davis is, but I, I honestly don't think that him starting changes that much for me as far as the way that offense would otherwise run. It's not like Johnny Manziel is built to be a downfield passer anyway, and it's not like they're going to be running a Carolina-type offense to accommodate his skill set. So I don't think much will change there. I, I guess I'm going to mostly go with the the Chiefs, I think, because it seems in the, like in the second half and in recent weeks in general, like Derek Carr has been exposed for a quarterback who can't throw the ball downfield consistently he's got he's got good numbers on this year especially when you talk about like touchdown versus turnovers uh but he's got a, a combination of low yards per tar, or yards per pass and uh, completion percentage that implies a, a potential you know the bottom falling out if he doesn't have whatever crutch it is that he's been leaning on to keep that unsustainable pair of uh, stats up the, where they are so I, I like the Chiefs, and you got to like the Chiefs anyway, I guess. They're, they've been a pretty hot defense lately, and Arrowhead is always you know a pain to play in if you're uh, the road team. Yeah, so plenty of viable options. Week 17 often I think is easier than most to pick out a defense that you like because you have a handful of teams that are rolling out a second or third string quarterback. You get some bad weather, especially you can take advantage of a situation like that. It's going to wrap things up for this podcast for today and for the 2015 season. Thanks for listening throughout the year. If you enjoyed this pod, let us know on Twitter. He's at NFL Draft underscore RW, like NFL Draft underscore RW McCorders. I'm at Derek Van Riper. You can also just tweet at Rotowire. It's probably the easiest way. Let us know if you enjoyed the pod this year. We are off until the summer, probably going to be around the time training camp starts when we begin to record Again, you can check out the site for free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. Thanks again for listening. The podcast has been brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today.